Hey guys, good morning. This never gets easy for me. I don't know why, but every week, no matter if I'm talking to three people, 800,000 people, which I've never talked to, uh, I get nervous. And it's funny, talking to an audience of one, I get still get super nervous. But I, I trust this morning that God is speaking and that he's speaking through me and to you. We are in a mini-series that we're doing. It's going to be three weeks long called God-Sized Questions. And what we're trying to do is ask some of the questions that we know are in your heart. And I want to warn you, every one of these weeks are going to look dramatically different. And so last week we talked about when. And I really love, my favorite part of last week was really just bringing the reality of an omnipresent God that is ever present and in every time and knowing that God already is celebrating with us as we're receiving the promise that he said that we would have. And uh, man, I just, I love that. And it brings such peace to me to know that he is with me in every moment, in every season of my life, everywhere that I go. Well, today we're talking about God-sized questions. And so this is week two. Next week, we're going to talk about why. And man, I really don't know if any of the answers that we try to tackle here are going to provide you um, peace or answer those questions, but I hope that we can give you some resources. The greatest resource is always the scripture. Go there as frequently and as often as possible in times like this. And man, your connect group is really huge. If you're not in a connect group yet, please go to the website, sign up right now, find a group of people to connect with, break down life, talk about problems, talk about things that you're overcoming, and learn how to discover God's answers together. Listen, as uh, and today we're going to go to Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. And um, in this passage, we're going to be talking a little bit about Gideon. Uh, as this passage opens, Gideon uh, the Israelites are being overwhelmed by the Midianites. And there's a massive army that is about to come against the Israelites. And God has a plan. And he pursues this man who is currently hiding in a wine press and, uh, from the Midianites, his enemy. And it's just funny how this unfolds. But check this out. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? I love that. And it's just real. Why, where, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? God? Why isn't this happening? But the Lord has, uh, but how... But now the Lord has abandoned us to put us in the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, But the Lord, Gideon, asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the, we is the weakest, and I am the least in all my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and we'll strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pray. Lord, I believe you're speaking. Help me. Amen.
Gideon asks this question, how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? I love that question, and that's really the question that we have this week. Last week was when, this week is how, and next week is going to be why. And I think how, you know, there's, there, they say there's a lot of questions, right? There could be if and, and things, but um, when, what, where, why, um, and how. How, what, and where are kind of in the same category. It comes from the same DNA of personality type where we have to know all the answers. We really like to be in control. We really like to, to we're, we're fixers, we're doers, and we need to solve how. How, God, are you going to do this? Give me the answers I want to know. Yeah, but God, I want to know. It's like a little kid that sees a magic trick and just needs to know how did it happen. God, how are you going to do this? There's this movie, uh, The Bug's Life, and I don't know why, but I keep getting this illustration. In the very beginning of the movie, there's like this 12-second clip that really has nothing to do with the movie, but all these ants are working. They're busy, 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 and they're all collecting in a straight line. They're walking to bring the goods that they've got from the, from the forest, and they're bringing it one by one to their anthill, and this leaf drops from the sky. And the ants just freak out. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And like, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't, uh, 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 and, and someone comes to them and says, hey, look, dude, calm down. We're going to go around the leaf. And the guy's like, uh, around, the, around the leaf? Can we, can we do that? Can we go around the leaf? And uh, the guy says, yeah, we can do that. And so they do just that. And it works out perfect for them. Uh, there's always a scenario that we can't see the solution to. What I found is that mankind is resilient and we are going to get through this. But oftentimes this word how becomes a buzzword in our mind that causes us to be frantic. It really causes us to shut down. When there's a problem that we're up against that we don't know the solution to, it can create a fear, it can create a worry, it can create an anxiety, it can create a panic. It can really cause us to shrink back and just shut down because we don't know how we're going to get through this. As I'm doing this series, I pray through everyone in our church. And I think about the things that many of us are up against and the questions that we're asking about our health, about our marriages, about our children. God, how? How are you going to do this? And I, I can feel uh, the weight of that question that we ask about our jobs, about our careers, about future relationships, about broken relationships. God, how? I can feel the weight of that question as we ask, as we ask, as we ask, as we ask, and as we try to unpack something that is really just of God-sized. It can be overwhelming. I know that many of you have questions and I believe that for you today, God has an answer. There's this artist that I love. His name is Phil Henson. He's not a Christian or maybe not to my knowledge, uh, but um, he has this TED talk. And on this TED talk, uh, he, he does, he talks about his life story. He went to this art school and the guy had a gift. And in this gift, what he learned to do is he learned how to make polka dots to shape portraits, pictures, people, and make this beautiful work of art. 
The problem was his polka dot obsession uh, over years and years and years and years and going to this great school, he, he, it developed a problem in his hand where he couldn't uh, any longer hold a pencil. He developed a shake. The shake really created a panic inside of him because he couldn't no longer do the dots. Um, and so he said to himself, man, how, how am I going to do this? And it, it really went into shutdown mode. He said there was a depression, there was a great fear, there was a great, oh my. Well, in the problem, he found a solution. And uh, what he ended up doing is just uh, uh, drawing little scribbles uh, because he couldn't do his dots anymore, that he would, he would draw scribbles and he would try so hard that what he realized is in his scribbles, he can create works of art. And these scribbles would become these magnificent portraits. So awesome, so powerful. He, he went to a doctor and the guy said, hey man, look, I want you to embrace the shake. Well, he, his, his hand shook so much that it became nerve damage in his hand that he couldn't even really hold a pencil at all anymore. And he realized, like, what if, what, what, does that mean my art is done? And, and when he lost art, it was like a part of him that was just dying. And he realized, what if art transcends holding a pencil altogether? And so he, he, he picked up a blowtorch and, and realized that, well, what if I can make three-dimensional works of art? And, uh, and, and he would do firefighters and, and all different kinds of extravagant things. There was another one here I want to show you, pretty awesome. He, he, he took Starbucks cups and just scribbled all over them until he could do this magnificent portrait of this kid. He, he couldn't hold the pencil anymore and do the polka dots, but he could, he could scribble it like crazy. And he embraced the shake and developed something gorgeous. My favorite one that he did is when he couldn't hold a pencil at all anymore, he, he stuck his hand in, into art and did uh, karate chops and developed uh, into, into the, this beautiful portrait of Bruce Lee. Embracing the shake. It's really what I want to talk to you about today. How? What do I do when now that what I've always wanted or the path that I knew that I would take doesn't work anymore. I don't know how to recalculate. I don't know a different direction. The where I was going is what I know how to do. And now how am I supposed to do this, God? We had a plan. You misdirected me. And I don't know where I'm at. Last week we talked about an omnipresent and an, and an ever-present God. This week I want to talk to you about an omnipotent God. It means all powerful. An all powerful God. Love that. An all powerful, someone said once that God is so powerful that if he lied, it would come true. I believe that. And I believe that that God is trying to do something magnificent through me. But understanding it, I may never. I may never know how God can do something so glorious through something like me. And what I tend to find is this all-powerful God, I get distracted by this all-powerful stronghold, by this all-powerful roadblock. It may be a depression or an addiction, a financial situation. And it really just seems like now I'm done in God. Now I'm done. Now I can't get through this. You know, it was, it was like, like dude said here, he said, hey, look, God, did you really bring us all this way to end us now? 
what happened about all the miracles you did with our fathers? And it feels like now we've hit the end of our road. But I love this quote by Ralph Emerson. And he said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. How is God going to do this great work in your marriage, in your finances? Well, that's just the thing. As I read the scripture um, and I go story to story, and as I take the, 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 the gospels as a whole, I realize that I believe that God is gonna do it one way. Through you. Through me. It's really his grand plan to work together. To work with me, to work with you. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the results, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In the story of Gideon, he says, God, how is it that you're going to do this great miracle through me? I'm, we have the smallest clan and I'm like the dumbest and most small person in my clan. How me? If Paul's saying, when I'm weak, God is strong. What I don't think that many of us understand is how much God gets excited when we find a problem. When we find a scenario where we can't seem to work out the miracle, that's when God is at his best the most. Matthew 19 verse 26 says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things is possible. When we find ourselves in a situation where we're stuck, now the resurrection of Jesus can be displayed in our life. When we reach the end of our ability, our wisdom, our finances, uh, the ability to make this marriage work or uh, the ability to figure out how we're going to transition from this job to this career or how we're going to get through these finals, we reach a point of God's resurrection power in our life and now he can display his glory. How is God going to fulfill this God-sized question? His plan all along has been to do it with man. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27 through 29, 27 through 29, it says this. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. God created them and God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They are yours for food. The Lord 
made the man different than everything in his creation. Man and woman was the darling of all God's creation. And he gave us authority over the earth. What I want you to understand is there are many times where we enter into a situation where we feel like we have found a problem. And I don't think that we recognize the authority that God has put inside of us. The authority that God has given us to be powerful in a moment where we feel powerless. God says, I want you to rule over all the birds in the air, all of the cattle on the ground, all of the sea and all of the fish in the sea, all of the plants on the earth. I want you to rule over it. There was an authority that God gave to man. When God, when Jesus came to this earth, he said, I am the light of the world. But then there was this transition where God gave, put all of his power into man, omnipotent, all powerful God into a powerless creature. He breathed life into man and he put his power in him and he put his creativity inside of him and he put his leadership inside of him and he put his wisdom inside of him and he put his strength inside of him and he gave him life. And, and so what we find is Adam possessing the land. There are times in my life where I look at obstacles much greater than me, but God's design was always that we would never be powerless. With man, many things are not possible, but with God, all things are possible. But with God. And so when we reach the end of our rope, right there is God. Right there is faith. Right there is the sweet spot to where Christ wants us to live so that in our weakness, he could be made strong so that he could be glorified. I love the, oh man, and so he says, the Lord's design was always, how is God? It's for you. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, God says, who will go for me? Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. God, I'll go, I'll do it. And what I want us to know is in the middle of the COVID and everything that's going on and all the questions and many of us feel powerless, but you are in fact powerful. I don't think that people understand how resilient man is, how creative we are, how we are going to get through this. We have inside of us this nature that says, I will fight, I will press on, I will press on, I will press on. And with the Lord, man, what an advantage we have over the world that doesn't know hope in a dark time like this. But we are the light of the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And uh, so Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, he says, uh, he came to his disciples. It's my favorite passage in all of the Bible. He says, I have, behold, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. I have been given all authority. And now I want you guys to go. It's the great plan of God to empower us in moments where we don't feel powerful. Behold, I have all authority. Now go and go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you and be sure of this one thing. I am with you always, even to the end of age. And I think therein lies the secret of everything that we have is to walk with God all day long in prayer, 
to seeking him and maintaining uh, communion with God, maintaining conversation with God in everything that we're doing. Oh God, are you with me? Yes, then we're gonna get through this. Are you with me, God? Yes, then our marriage is gonna survive. How is it gonna happen? Embrace the shake. When Jesus said that all authority has been given to me, he said in John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23, he said, and again he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. For if anyone forgives sins, they are forgiven. There's a powerful reality that the Lord is saying, you have my spirit, I am with you. You are a broken creature and you now have found your worthlessness. Like once we hit a problem that we don't know how to get through, there comes inside of us like a feeling like I'm not good enough. Like I can't get through this. Like I don't know how, God. And we feel quite broken. But I love a broken and contrite spirit, the psalmist said. My heart does not despise. It's in, it's in our weakness that God is made strong. It's in my inability that now he has the ability. When I find the end of my rope, now he can move the most. And that artist, Phil Henson, realized that when he couldn't do what he thought he was supposed to do all of his life, that's when God moved the most. When we get to the point where we feel like our marriage can't go on, now it finally has a testimony. God came in and he stepped in and he spoke to me and he told me what I'm doing wrong. Someone said once, if you're the problem, you're the solution. In our finances, if we feel like we don't have enough, that is not accurate. The scripture says that we have more than enough. The problem mostly lies in me, in my spending habits, you know? I want too many things. I have enough. And there is a scenario where God is looking at you and you're trying to think outside the box. Well, how do I make my box bigger? There was a time in our church just a few months ago where we really hit a wall, man. I mean, it was like, this was a few years ago, actually, and and we were looking at ourselves going, we can't possibly grow anymore. There was no room here. And we're going, well, we need another building. We need another building. We need another building. And I love where God took us to this scenario where, no, what we need to do is think inside the four walls of our building. Use every square inch possible. Let's make more times. Let's make more services. Let's create more space in these walls. And we've grown and grew and grew and grew. And just to the point where it was like we couldn't grow anymore again. Here comes COVID. And now we're figuring out how to go online and even reach more people. Yet, inside myself, I don't like this. This is difficult for me. This is hard. And in comes Gideon in this scenario where he's like, God, I can't do this. And God says, I'm going to use you to reach Israel. And here's how we're going to do it. So back to Gideon. There's this story in Gideon chapter 7 where he begins talking to the Lord begins talking to Gideon again. And here's the problem. The Lord said to Gideon, I'm sorry. You have too many men. He's up against more than 100,000 men. And he believes that he has about 32,000 and he's gonna be the one that leads his people. Remember, he doesn't have great leadership. He doesn't have great instincts. He doesn't have great direction. But he has the Lord. 
And the Lord's given him a roadmap. And, and he says, you have too many men. I, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave for Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Okay, so this is God's great plan. Let's, let's, let's let 10,000 people now fight against 100,000 people. Doesn't sound like a great plan to me. It doesn't sound like a great plan that you would put a pen in some guy's hand and then a blowtorch. Uh, but this is what art looks like. And we are canvases, the scripture says. We are art. And God is trying to display his workmanship through our lives. But 10,000 men was still too much. And so he said, take them down the water and I'll thin them out there. And so the Lord took 10,000 men and reduced it down to 300 men. So the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, uh, I will save you from the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest uh, of the Israelites home, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. And dividing the 300 men into companies, he placed trumpets and jars into their hands of all of them. With torches inside of them, he said, watch me, he told them, follow my lead. And when we get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And when all who are with me blow our trumpets, then, follow, uh, th then from all around camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. What I love about this passage is God took 32,000 men down to 300. And instead of giving them swords or bazookas or rocket launchers, or tanks, he gives them flashlights and whistles and tells them to go to war. And God has a strategy that we can't see. And he's trying to work that through your kids, through your marriage, through your finances, through the relationships that you're building. And all we can see is, God, how is it gonna happen? And I would encourage you, embrace the shake. If you're wanting that relationship, then make sure that you're searching through yourself to become as healthy and as whole as possible, putting the best version of yourself forward, not the best looking, not the most well-polished, but the most whole. It may be that your, your, your career situation is God saying, look, I know that you're frustrated in this job. Now is the time that I actually want you to launch your own company. Wait, what? God can do anything. And many of us have felt stuck, limitless, stuck in a depression. And now I'm going to teach you some unorthodox ways to win a war. That's going on in your brain. I want you to study scripture. I want you to study songs. I want you to sing praise. I want you to eat differently. There are di disciplines that I'm going to put inside of you. If you want to be great, then follow me. And the Lord is going to say that he's going to remove all fear from us. And everything that would cause us to feel like the giants is bigger than what we are. I know that God has taken us to uncharted territory. And that's how his resurrection power is displayed greatest in our moments of God. How? I feel powerless. It's leadership. He is going to lead you and cause you to be displayed. But in it, he needs your weakness. He needs your limitations. 
He needs a fool. He needs someone that's going to lean on him for wisdom. Someone who's willing to be a great student and follow specific instructions. Many of us want to do it our way. And our way is broken. God, I can't make them love me. I know. Here's the solution. I want you to love them more. More. And what's happening in our life is that God is speaking unorthodox ways to cause us to press in. As the band comes back, I have another scripture. And uh, the scripture is kind of weird. I I read it last week. And um, as I was reading it last week right here, I realized that it's also for this week. And, and this is what it said. It was uh, Jesus talking to his disciples um, in, in the book of Acts. And once again, they were asking a question and Jesus was trying to give an answer. And the answer was very clear that he was trying to give them, but they couldn't hear his answer through their question. How, God, are you going to heal my marriage? How, God, are you going to do this? How, God, are you going to do this? And I feel like the same answer that God gave Gideon is the same answer he's giving me. It's the same answer that he gave the disciples. It's the same answer that he's doing it again now in book of Acts. He said it in John 20, 21, that behold, I will be with you. And he said it in John 28, behold, to the ends of the age, I will be with you. And he said it to Gideon, how are you gonna do this? He said, behold, I'll be with you. Well, what if that's his answer? Check it out. Once he was eating with them and he commanded them, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. And as I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? God, how are you gonna restore your kingdom? It was the same question that Gideon asked. How are you going to do this, Lord? Same question. And he gave the same answer. I almost wonder like, if anyone compared the passage of of Judges chapter 6 to Acts chapter 1. How are you going to do this, Lord? Well, the Father alone has the authority to set times and dates, and you are not for you to know how. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. He's saying... I will be with you. God does have a plan on how he's going to do it. He's going to do it in you. And I believe it's done through creativity. I believe that we are some of the smartest people in the world. We have creative power living inside of us. The God that created galaxies, that made chlorophyll, made you and I. Details don't ever escape him. But sometimes the problem is we can't figure out what we're doing because we can only think outside the box. What if God wants you to embrace your limitation, embrace the cross, embrace the pain, and in it find the resurrection? Truly come to grips with the fact that you don't know how and allow his power to be perfected in your weakness. Would you bow your heads right now? I I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in you.
And I believe that there are some of you right now that are coming to a situation where you don't know how God's going to redeem this situation. I can tell you how. He has a plan for your life. His plan has always been the same. He wants to put his crazy, awesome, all power inside you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm talking to you right now, and I wonder, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you ever come to grips with the fact that you've messed up and that you don't know enough and that you need an all-powerful God to help a powerless human. I wonder if today's the day that you would surrender your life, your dream to Jesus. And if that's you, I just want to pray this simple prayer with you. It says, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. You call me out upon the water, the great unknown, the female. There I find you in the mystery 
closing today, I want to remind you that what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters in compared to what lies within us. Many people are still waiting for God to anoint them to heal. But God's actually said, I want you to go heal. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and you are going to do great things. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There is a creative leader that is bold and anointed and gifted inside of us. I remember this yesterday. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. To him be the glory. Hey, God is going to do great things inside of you, through you, today. Enjoy your family. Trust that God's already got it figured out. And you've got more than enough inside of you to do exactly what he's called you to do. How? It'll come. When? When it's perfect. Next week. Why? Father, Thank you for your Holy Spirit that unites us and makes us one. You're the best part of our life. And I thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.